Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's been a joy to be with you at your church for the last seven months to study this topic on being transformed. God's goal for our life is not a cosmetic change or a limited change. God's goal for our life is complete transformation. We are basing this series on book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have done six sessions earlier, as Pastor mentioned, we started out with transformation in our spiritual health, then we looked at our mental, the whole aspect of mental health, uh, the way we think, uh, then we looked at emotional health, we looked at physical health, uh, then we looked at relational health and uh, last month we looked at financial health. Today we are going to consider the important topic of vocational health. For a Christian, for a follower of Jesus, we believe that there is a call on our lives. Amen? Do you believe that you are called? Yes? The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio basically which means call. So when we look at our jobs, we don't look at it as something we do just to earn a livelihood. Some people look at their jobs as if it is some sort of a curse. They will say it's only after the fall God said that with, by the sweat of your brow you will earn your living. But actually, if you look at Genesis 2, even before human beings fell and rebelled against God, God had already given them work to do. Adam was given the task of taking care of, of the garden, garden that God entrusted to him. So for us, work is not a curse. Pastor mentioned the other extreme, work is worship. Some people are almost married to their jobs. Their family norm comes later, for them their job is everything to them. Uh, today we want to have a balanced understanding. How do we look at our jobs? And Pastor mentioned an important part of identity. Some people gather their local identity from the kind of work that they do. So depending on the work, they, for them their designation, their title, their position matters a lot. Then they keep introducing themselves based on what kind of uh, job position they hold. But for us, as children of God, our first uh, connection with identity is with our Father in heaven. We are children of God. Amen. And what work we do is today we may be doing X work, tomorrow we may do Y, third day we may do Z. That doesn't matter. Uh, it's not about how important the work is doing work for the glory of God. I don't have time to get into the whole passage, but I'm going to base the whole uh, understanding on work on a very familiar parable. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30, the Lord Jesus spoke about the parable of talents. And generally, when we look at the word talent, we think in terms of special gifting, ability, but if you look at the text, if you look at the original uh, language, the word talent was a sum of money. It was, uh, in fact, a bag of gold 
uh, coins that were given uh, one talent, two talents, and five talents. And the fact is that God was going to take in the parable, the master was going to take account of everything that was given to them. Today, using that as the starting point, I want to look at our work life. No matter what sphere of work we are involved in, whether corporate, uh, whether you are in private uh, you know, work, you are in business, you are self-employed, uh, whether you are doing uh, blue-collar or white-collar jobs, it does not matter. Uh, we are going to look at what is the biblical understanding of work. Number one, the Bible says that for me to have a good attitude or a healthy work life, I must start working enthusiastically wherever I am placed. Enthusiastically wherever I am placed. So seven habits or seven principles for a healthy work life. So the first principle is the whole aspect of enthusiasm. Do you know that the word enthusiasm or enthusiastic comes from two words N and Theos. N is the word for in. Theos is the word for God. So N Theos. In God. If there is one group of people in the world who will work enthusiastically, it should be the child of God. Tell me why. Because who dwells within us? God lives in us. Amen? Amen? And because God lives in us, we must be the most enthusiastic people on the face of the earth when it comes to work. No matter what work we do, that enthusiasm comes because of a, a relationship with God. Amen? And that changes our whole perspective of work. I want you to look at this passage of scripture, we will refer to it a few times. Colossians 3 and verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do. Now the Bible does not say whatever you like to do. The Bible says, whatever you do. Now in your job, there may be some things you enjoy doing. And some things you don't enjoy doing. Does that happen to you in your workplace? Some of us enjoy some parts of our job. Uh, I'm in teaching, and uh, the most exciting, tongue-in-cheek, the most exciting part of teaching is grading papers. Especially when you get, you know, a pile of papers. Okay. Now they have to write maximum three to four papers per subject. If you are teaching four courses and if you have 60 people in your class, four papers per subject, and so 60 into 4 is 240 into 4, that is what you're going to get in terms of papers. Late into the night, you're going to sit and work. This is part of teaching. This is part you cannot avoid. There are some parts that you enjoy in your workspace. And there are some parts that you endure. Are you with me? Yes? 
or for example if you are not cut out for administration maybe administration saps you of energy the bible is not saying whatever you like to do the bible is saying whatever you do do it with all your heart the few few things for us to keep in mind when we work number one to remember that this job is a test from god amen this job is a test from god it's in the small things that god is going to test us do you believe that when nobody watches the way we do what we do matters to god for the world around us the outcome is all that matters how you get there does not matter you can take a shortcut you can cut corners you can uh, take the easy way out for the world it does not matter as long as the work is done not for believers not for followers of jesus god is more concerned about how we do what we do and if we start realizing that this job is actually a test from god you can read this later but write it down in luke 16 verse 10 to 12 this is what it says whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own to recognize that this job that i do small job big job doesn't matter is actually a actually a, a test from god and god is going to watch how i do this before he can entrust more into my care amen so to keep that in mind number 2 for us under the same principle for us to remember god is watching my attitude attitude is what is happening on the inside of me God is watching my attitude. Do you know that your attitude determines your joy? Yes or no? If you have a bad attitude, do you know the work does not get easier? The work, in fact, gets more difficult. The work still has to be done, but now it's going to be drudgery. because my attitude itself is very very bad have you met people with a bad attitude yes no they are difficult to be around they do the work but they do it with much complaining they do it without being cheerful about the work that is entrusted to them and god is concerned about what is happening on the inside the way we do it it's not about the work it can be a small task that has been given to us but the bible says in romans 12 and verse 11 never be lazy in your work serve the lord enthusiastically serve the lord enthusiastically so when you go to your workspace to recognize that i am not doing this for this company not for this corporation not for a salary not for a promotion not for the annual confidential report 
Not because someone is going to watch this and then move me higher up in the in the ranks, up in the in the corporate ladder, but to recognize I do this cheerfully because I do it unto the Lord. Amen. My attitude is of prime importance because Paul is more concerned about what is happening on the inside than what is happening on the outside. We can do our job, we can grit our teeth and do our job, we can be angry and do our job, we can do it because we have no other way but to do it or we can do it with the right attitude, doing it unto the Lord. I want you to look at this uh, in Proverbs 12 and verse 24. Uh, in the message translation, it's a contemporary translation, this is what it says. The diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by their work. The diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by their work. So the first truth for us to recognize is the fact that I must start working enthusiastically. Why should I do it enthusiastically? Because I don't do it for man, I do it for God. Second truth, connected with the first. I must really understand who am I working for? I must really understand who am I working for? Who is my master? You know, one of the things we say to people is accept Jesus as your Lord. What's the meaning of Lord? Lord means master, owner. So he is not just Lord or master of my family, even my workspace. He is, he is Lord of my workspace. And to recognize that I will work unto man, but I do this unto God. Because the moment I develop this perspective, there is a radical shift in the way I work. Amen? There is a radical shift. I walk into office knowing I'm doing this for, for God. I, I, when more work comes, do you, I don't know whether you recognize this, but I have watched this over the years. Those who are capable and those who work hard and finish their work on time, they end up with more work. Does it happen in your organization? Yes, no. Yes? And some people who kill time and they don't meet deadlines, they don't seem to get, uh, you know, the boss will always come to somebody who is working diligently and say, hey, by the way, can you help me? Uh, we are trying to do this and you as it is have plenty on your plate and you end up with more. Well, here's the truth. To recognize I don't do this for men, I do this for God. And that changes the way I go to work. When I walk into my office, when I walk into my workspace, whether it's a full-time job or a part-time job, whether I'm self-employed or I'm working for somebody else, whether I do this in, in a business or in a non-profit, it does not matter. To recognize deep within, I'm doing this unto the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 24 says, Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. 
the master that you are serving is Christ. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. 24 says, you do it unto the Lord. And then it says, the master that you are serving is Christ. It will be a good thing for us to write it down somewhere in your workspace. Write on word, put down your company, and just write this down below. The master that I am serving is not my, my corporation. It's not my non-profit. It's not my, uh, my, the company that I work for. The master that I am serving is, is Christ. That will radically change how we look at work. Number three. I must concentrate on building my character. I must concentrate on building my character. Today, a lot of emphasis is placed on building our resume. Do you know that some people's resume is embellished? Embellished means they add a lot of mirch masala to it. They make it look very spicy and nice. Uh, there's a lot of good words used. And there's a lot of uh, brand management that is happening nowadays in the workspace. So they, they find innovative ways to present their resume. And there's a lot of effort in building the resume of a person. How many years did you work for this company? What was your report from that company? The resume matters. But for God, more than the resume, my character matters. Who I am on the inside matters. More than building my resume, I must be concerned with building my character. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 15. I'm going to read it from a contemporary translation. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven, you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. In this passage, the Apostle Paul writing the Colossians talks about the importance of growing in character. <coughs> character is what is happening on the inside? What kind of person am I becoming as a result of what I do Monday to, to Saturday? God is more concerned about my character than He is concerned about my resume. The places I go and put my resume in, for them that matters. For God, my character matters. And so when I work, to recognize God is watching what is happening deep within me. What kind of person am I becoming as a result of this work? Here's something for us to think about. If your work involves manipulating, lying, cheating, deceit, 
then maybe it's time for you to switch. Because you cannot, as a follower of Jesus, no matter how good the job is, no matter how lucrative, no matter what the perks and privileges are, if as a follower of Jesus, I cannot live true to my Christian calling, then maybe it's time to change my job. Because I cannot afford to compromise on my character. And that's the reason it's okay even if we have to take a, a hit in our pay and move to a department where I may not get all the privileges, the perks, but I cannot afford to lie, to deceive, to cheat, to live in duplicity. Because God is not going to be happy with that kind of a life. He's more concerned about my character than even my resume. Number four. Here's an important one. I must care about the people I work with. I must care about the people I work with. We live in a task-oriented or a task-driven world. People don't matter. If they have the Western influence of hiring and firing, if you need to get rid of some people, just get rid of them. People don't matter. The task is more important. That's the world we are living in. But as a follower of Jesus, when I work into, walk into my workspace, the people I work with is important. Why are they important? Because they are important to God, they must be important to me. And when I say the people I work with, right from the people at the security desk to the managing director, the chairperson, the board members, every single person that every rank and the rank and file of the organization matters. For me, when I think about being concerned about the people around us, I think of Joseph in the Bible. Do you remember the time when he was languishing in prison at the prime of his youth, the best part of his life, he was languishing in prison when he had high energy, dreams, things to achieve and that too for no fault of his. But even in prison, Joseph is concerned about his colleagues about people around him. When the baker and the, the butler, they are troubled by a dream that they see, Joseph is genuinely concerned. Concerned for the people that are around us. He asks them, why are you sad? He could have been wallowing in self-pity. He could have been focused on himself. He could have said, I have plenty of problems of my own. I don't think I'm getting out of this prison easily. I'm stuck in a foreign country, sold by my brothers. I've lost my property, my inheritance, and looks like I am wrecked for life in this Egyptian prison. But even in very hostile circumstances, He's concerned about the people around him. You remember Paul in the middle of a storm? 
when that big storm uh, hits that ship, there are many, many people on that ship. Paul is busy encouraging people in that ship in the midst of a storm. I am convinced that if I am a follower of Jesus, the people around me matter. I must have a genuine concern about the people around me. I want you to look at a few verses. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Don't be concerned only about your interests, but also be concerned about the interests of others. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14, the Living Bible. Whatever you do, do it with kindness and love. Ephesians 4 2. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of love. To recognize God has placed me in this workspace, there are going to be people from different backgrounds, different challenges. And many of them may not get a chance to interact with the gospel except through what they see in my life. Do you recognize that? It was Gypsy Smith who had once said that there are five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and the Christian and many will never read the first four. They're going to watch our lives. Are we genuinely concerned about the people who work along with us? For us to take interest. Listen, did you know there is a great need for men and women who are willing to listen. If you can go into the workspace and listen to people, you can be a great blessing for your, for your organization. Learning to listen. There was a study done recently in India. This is what they concluded. Looking at the young population, millennials particularly, this is what they found out that one in every four person has got some level of mental health issues. Think about that. One out of four. That means if you meet four people, one person there is seriously battling some degree of mental health issues. And one of the things we can do is just by listening. I care for you. Yes, I have deadlines. Yes, I have work to do. But I will also be concerned about the people who work with me. And if we can genuinely take interest in people, find out what's happening in their life, remember, talk to them, connect with them, pray for them. You know, I would even recommend coming early. Coming early, walk around your workspace. That's your mission field. That's where God has strategically placed you. There is no one else who can do what you can do in that workspace. Nobody else can do it. You have been placed, I have been placed in a particular workspace to make a difference there. And how are we going to do it? Except we take genuine interest in the people that are placed around us. To look at them and to say, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to love you. Don't tell them with words, but through your actions. And one of the ways I want to recommend is listening. 
maybe appreciation, maybe a genuine compliment, a word of encouragement, a simple gesture like a smile can make a big difference. Amen? You don't know what people are going through as they come into work. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in you. Amen? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? And because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, He dwells within you. There is a power at work within you that is not within them. Look at them with that attitude of I'm here to serve you. I care for you. It's not just about getting the work done. But you are important because you have been placed in my heart. Number five. Let me move on. I must exceed what is expected of me. For me to be transformed in my work life, I must exceed what is expected of me. I find this interesting that the Lord Jesus used an expression that we use very commonly. Have you? Ever heard people talk about going the extra mile? Yes, no? Going the extra mile? Yes? Even secular people are using this. Not knowing where it has come from. It is the Lord Jesus who used this expression, go the extra mile. Some people want to do the bare minimum and get away. Have you met people like that? They just want to do just enough to retain their job, not to get into trouble. They just want to do the bare minimum so that they don't get fired. I believe we are called to be different. People who are willing to go the extra mile. And if you study biblical times, this phrase had deep meaning. There was a Roman law called the law of impressment. According to the Roman law, if a Roman soldier met any civilian who was going anywhere, men particularly, he could stop somebody who was on route somewhere else and say, hey, come here, carry my baggage and walk with me. And you had to walk with that Roman soldier for about one mile. One mile was close to 1.45 kilometers. And if most likely, if a Roman soldier called you and said, carry my bag and walk with me, he was going to carry armory, weapons. And you would be carrying easily 30 to 40 kilos and walking with this Roman soldier. Now imagine you were going for your own personal work or for your job and you are wailing by this Roman soldier. You may walk behind the soldier but for all you know you will be muttering under your breath without the Roman soldier's knowledge. True or false? My day is wrecked. I'm wasting my time. I'm supposed to get to X point. And the Lord Jesus comes on the scene and says something totally radical. He says, after that one mile is over, stop and tell the Roman soldier, by the way, do you want me to come with you for one more mile? 
I believe you and I are called to be people of the extra mile. Amen. So that when work is given to us, yes, we will do what is expected of us, but we will do more than what is expected of us. We are not trying to get away with the least that we can do. We do this as an opportunity that God has given us. We will be people of the extra mile. Matthew 5, 41. If someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Colossians 3, 22, the message translations. Servants, do what you are told by your earthly masters. Don't just do the minimum that you will get by with. Do your best. Be willing to be stretched. I want to challenge you this week, Monday to Saturday, or Monday to Friday, whatever your work schedule looks like. Are you going to ask God, I want to be stretched. I want to do what is expected. But I also want to do extra by your grace. I will do more than what is asked to be. That will make you a different kind of person. You know, we are called to be a different breed of people. Amen. Not flowing with the world around us. Not doing what the world around us does. We are called to be different. Do you believe that? Yes. I am convinced if there is a best employee uh, award, Christians should be on that list. We should feature on that. If it is there. As a follower of Jesus, my name should be on that. Because I am not trying to get away by doing the least. I'm trying to do the best I can. Do what is expected. Do more than what is expected. Be a person of the extra mile by the grace of God. Number six. I must expand my skills with continual learning. Here's a verse that is one of my favorites. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 says, If an axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. Ecclesiastes 10 10. Do you know with a dull axe you can still cut a tree? Yes or no? Can you cut a tree with a dull axe? Yes? No? Yes. But more strength will be needed. The time I spend in sharpening the axe is not a waste of time. Are you with me? The time I spend in sharpening the axe is not a waste of time. If you want to be effective at your workspace, continuously be on upgrade mode. How do I improve? There are many ways you can improve. Your reading. I am convinced that for you to be a good leader, you will have to be a good reader. Read on your subject. Whatever subject God has called you to invest in. There's plenty of books and material available to upgrade yourself. True or false?
Thank God for Google. Dr. Google can give you a lot of information. YouTube today has got videos on almost everything. On how to put a needle through, uh, how to put a thread to, through a needle, to cooking, to, you know, there's hundreds of videos uploaded on all possible things under the sun. For us to go for that training, for that seminar, for that preparation, to keep upgrading ourselves, being in the theological field, this volumes being written and published, for us as theological educators to keep reading, to upgrade ourselves so that when questions come, at that time it's too late to prepare. We must prepare beforehand. When challenges come, when new opportunities come, that you and I will be skilled at what we are doing. Do you want to be skilled at what you are doing? To do it well? That's one of my prayers. That whatever I put my hand to, I will do it with a spirit of excellence. When I look at the Bible, Daniel had an excellent spirit inside him. Caleb had a different spirit inside him. These were people who were not like uh, wanting to be mediocre. They wanted to stand out in what they were doing. And so if the, if the axe is dull, you're going to use much more strength. But if it is sharpened, if you are continuously on learning mode, I want to learn, I want to upgrade. If I can get certifications, so be it. If I can do some courses, so be it. If I can get a degree added to this, so be it. It is not just to get a prefix or a suffix at the end of my name, but it is for me to do what God has called me to do more effectively. I want to do what I am doing more effectively. And for me to do it effectively, I must keep learning. I must spend time in sharpening the axe. I must excel. If you need to get a degree under your belt, please do that. If you need to spend some time going for a training program, ask your boss for the opportunity. When it comes up, do it. Why do we do it? Because if the axe is dull, more strength is required. But if it is sharpened, then I am going to be excelling in what I am doing. Amen? Let's come to the seventh. I must dedicate my work for God's purposes. I must dedicate my work for God's purposes. When I enter the workspace, I believe work can become worship. Work automatically does not become worship. Work can become worship. If I do it unto the Lord, it can be done. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not limited to what we do on a Sunday morning. It's not just lifting hands or clapping hands. Worship is a lifestyle. My work can become worship if I do it unto the Lord. I must dedicate my work to be used for God's purposes. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says, We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. That is a very high calling. Why is it a high calling? Because we represent Christ 
better will be your Amen. In your workspace, you and I represent Christ. In your ministry, you and I represent Christ. Who is an ambassador? Someone who goes from one country to another country, representing his country in a foreign country, speaking on behalf of his government. That's when you become an ambassador. You are sent. You and I are sent into the workspace. The Bible says, as the Father has sent me, John 20, 21, there are many renditions of the Great Commission. Each gospel has its own rendition. But I like the rendition in John 20 and verse 21, which is the shortest of the Great Commission, the shortest rendition. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you to recognize we are sent. Amen. We are sent. Where are we sent? Into the world. Who do we represent? Who do we represent? Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. To go into the workspace and to have this at the back of my mind. Today I will meet all kinds of people, superiors, subordinates, peers, colleagues, I will meet vendors, I will meet people who are watchmen, right up to the managing director, I may meet anybody. But to recognize, I am an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I represent Christ in this organization. And so when I walk in to recognize that I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if we want to make a difference in our workspace, these seven principles will have to become part of our, our work ethics. We will not do the bare minimum to get away with. We will do more than what is asked of us. We will upgrade, we will learn. We will recognize that my attitude matters, my character matters. It's not just what I do, it's not just getting the task done. How I get the task done is also important to God. The people I work with is very important. I'm not just getting, I'm not a robot. I'm not just getting a task done. But the people who God has placed strategically in my path are there for a reason. All those who are involved in any form of work, you're working, maybe in the ministry, corporate world, non-profit, business, I want you to make a decision today. I want to represent Christ at my workspace. Is that your desire? Yes? I want to represent Christ at my workspace. The way I work, my attitude, my character, the the, the enthusiasm with which I work, the understanding I'm not doing this for men, I'm doing this for God, the desire to learn, to skill myself so that I'm good at what I'm doing, that I will stand out at what I'm doing, the desire to excel, uh, the understanding that people have been placed in my path. Yes, they are colleagues, they may be from different departments, but they are my colleagues, they work with me. I must have a genuine concern for them uh, to walk into my workspace and to dedicate my work 
for the glory of God. I'm going to encourage you tomorrow as you go to work. Uh, would you dedicate your workspace for God? I remember hearing a pastor who preached in our chapel. And those days, I, like, uh, I was just attending that chapel service. He said, those of you who study theology, take off your shoes under the table. What he was expressing is, this is holy ground. We are doing it unto God. So when you study theology, that's what he told us. When you study theology, take off your shoes under the desk so that you know you're doing this not just as a chore, this is not just another subject you study, but you're doing this for the glory of God. Monday morning when you get to work, there's normal Monday blues. You've heard of that expression, Monday blues. After a good weekend, people struggle to get back to work on Monday. I want to encourage you that Monday should be exciting. Uh, if you are not excited about what you are doing, it's time to seek God as to whether you are in the right space, you are in the right place. Maybe some people have said this to me, Oh, Pastor, I'm doing this, uh, just make some money, and then I will do what I enjoy doing. Uh, not the best place to be in. Uh, even if you are doing it because you need the money, uh, to walk into that workspace with the attitude, God has placed me here. I'm going to excel in what I'm doing. By the grace of God, I will be a person with an excellent spirit. Amen? Shall we dedicate ourselves? Shall we stand in God's presence as we respond to God? I must work enthusiastically wherever I am placed. I must understand who I am really working for. I must concentrate on building my character. I must care about the people I work with. I must exceed what is expected of me. I must expand my skills with continual learning. I must dedicate my work to be used for God's purposes. Shall we take a few moments and respond? Every time we study the word, it is important we respond. Take a few moments. You know how to pray. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. But if you will pray and make a suitable response to God, and say, Lord, I want to look at my work differently. I want to consecrate my workspace. I want to consecrate the place where I am placed by you. Help me to work with a different spirit. I know that you are concerned about my character. You are concerned about my attitude. You are concerned about how I deal with relationships. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is truly light to our feet and a lamp to our hearts. Today we come before you and we ask of you to transform us in our workspace, Lord. I pray for every brother and sister who is in the workforce. I pray that they will be men and women who are different. They will have an excellent spirit. They will strive to excel in what they are doing. They will not get away with just doing the bare minimum. But we will be people of the extra mile. People who are willing to do what is assigned to us. But who are willing to be stretched. Who will learn and upgrade ourselves. We pray that we will be concerned about the people that are at our workspace. I pray that if there are men and women 
who are depressed, rejected, discouraged, we will bring hope to them. Amen. Even tomorrow when we get into the workspace, when we enter the workspace, we will look around and we will be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As you bring people into our hearts, we will serve them lovingly because we do this unto you. And so we dedicate ourselves, we dedicate our workspace to you, Lord. Be glorified in everything we say and do. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.